Hold you on. think we're always still? Hang on. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no more. All right, here we go. Here we'll see if we can get the show started here this morning on the, what is it, Thursday edition? Is it Thursday today? Yep, sure is. Uh, okay, Roger Sales with you here at the Radio Ranch, and we're streaming live on Eurofolk Radio, and we've got a bunch of good guys and gals on the board here. And uh, I am Roger Sales with you, your host, uh, the guy that people think has the answer to everything. So anyway, we'll uh, plow in and see what we can get uh, get going on here this morning. Somebody was saying right before we went on the air, hey, Roger, who was trying to get Hey, some- Roger, this is Wally. Wa- wa- well, hey, uh, what do you think of these stores, Target, uh, Wal- Walgreens, and all these stores canceling billions of dollars of orders before Christmas? I have no idea. I hadn't heard about it. Uh, I think we, we got something real uh, real dramatic in our near future. Don't know what it is. It could come from a number of different ways. Uh, they've pushed they've pushed this uh, Ukraine situation where evidently, was it yesterday or day before yesterday, Putin came out and, and said, keep it up we're going to have a nuclear war we're not having u.s troops over here in ukraine fighting us because all of a sudden when they were they were beating the uh the the uh, ukrainians and all their little azov battalions and everything else well we've given them so much uh military gear and the highest they tech, don't know how to operate that well i know that's know because, that yeah equipment. that's right so guess who's over there operating it well, apparently Russia's calling up 300,000 reservists. Okay. Our people are over there operating all their high-tech stuff, and now they got our soldiers fighting the Russians on the front line, evidently. Okay? So that's why Putin is coming out and saying, we're gonna we're about to go nuclear here, folks. Okay? Mm-hmm. They've been pushing it and pushing it and pushing it since the Maidan Revolution back in 2014. This was their end goal. Push, push, push. They hate Russia. They hate Russians. They're envious of them. And one of the things I was listening on oh, a Sunday before last on Thumper. Thumper pulled out a bunch of, uh, as he's prone to do, pulled out a bunch of uh, uh, G. Edward Griffin stuff and started reading. And he was covering about the Dodd Committee. Do you guys know about the Dodd Committee? Wahib, you know about the Dodd Committee? You're talking about Dodd Frank? No, Dodd no, Frank no, thing? no. I'm talking about a. I think he was a senator, Dodd. And back in the '50s, they had a, a question, and there was questions in Congress about the Great Foundations, and they went back and started doing investigations of the Great Foundations. And initially, they let the people in, look at their books and everything else. And in one of them. I don't know whether it's the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace or the Ford Foundation is one of those types of foundations. And Dodd or whoever he sent uh, went over there and talked to the, the guy, and he said, uh, "What what's the object, the goal of your foundation? He said, to get us to a point where the United States could be comfortably merged with the Soviet Union. Okay? Well, Putin has got in there and upset their little that's their end goal that was stated by one of the heads of the foundations good hell what 40 50 years ago okay 
So well, they wanted to merge with the Soviet Union, not Russia. Right, and and the and so Putin gets in there. He starts nationalizing Russia. He's rebuilding. I forget how I, I saw the figure. They're building something like thirty thousand churches a year or something over there. He's reinstituting the Russian Orthodox. Uh, 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 backbone of Russia because it is the backbone of Russia. Do you guys understand what happened there, and the reason for that? The uh, when the the Eastern Empire of Rome fell, they took all of the sacred, I guess, all the jewels, all the sacred documents, whatever that was was really important to them, and they went to Russia with it. And that's the foundation of the Russian Orthodox Church. So the Russian Orthodox Church is an outgrowth of the downfall of the Eastern Empire Rome. Okay, and uh, they're they're very devout up there. Now, the other background that's important here, if you don't know this, is the Khazars, which used to is is Ukraine Khazaria. Do you know about the Khazars and Khazaria Wahib? Okay, well, he's got his mute on. I appreciate that. Anyway, if you don't, uh, Kazaria, which is these Khazar uh, uh, Jews, okay? Now, I guess we go into the background here for the people that don't know this. I'm assuming there's folks on here that don't, right? Uh, I forgot. The time frame was around eight or 900 A.D., and there was a group of Turkish mongrel people in that part of the world that congregated there, and they called themselves the Khazars, K-H-A-Z-A-R-S. Go look it up if you're not familiar with this. This is critical history to understand what's going on today, okay? And Khazaria had their own kingdom for hundreds of years, and they were very ferocious people, and what they did was they centered, you know, they keep talking about how important the Ukraine is because of the connection between Russia and Europe and the trade routes and all that well that's why the kazarians were in that area they made their livelihood from the tribe off uh, their tribe if you will i don't know any other word to put give them uh by taking caravans that came through to other parts of europe or back and they would stop the caravans and the caravans had to give them 10 percent of the value of the caravan goods and if they didn't give them 10 percent of the value they'd kill them and take all of it okay and so they had the monopoly on basically attacks on the trade routes, okay? And at some point, the king of Khazaria thought that the, the country and the people were losing their way because they didn't have any kind of religion or spirituality. And so he didn't want to convert to Christianity because half of the trade route people were Christians. He'd have to give them a discount, and the same with the Islam, okay? And so what he, they had a, a, a guy in their court, a court advisor or whatever who was a sephardic jew and they converted the whole kingdom in mass at one time to judaism okay now he was sephardic these people are the group of jews they call ashkenazi 90 approximately 95 or a little bit more percent of the jews in the world are these ashkenazi khazar jews and what happened to khazaria they're at their their deadly enemy, the Rus, above them came down and broke the kingdom up. When they broke the kingdom up, they scattered over into Eastern Europe. That's where all your Jews in Eastern Europe come from. They're all Ashkenazi. They speak Yiddish. They don't speak Hebrew. Okay, Yiddish is, and I read this somewhere years ago. If you ever look at the way the Orthodox Jews open a Torah. 
you know, the first five books, the scrolls, and they have them, and the young kid is sitting there with the pointer. It's a little hand with a finger, okay, how they read. Well, Jews read left to right. Khazars read right to left. And I've read that that's where Yiddish came from, was them reading Hebrew backwards, basically, okay? All of the all the international bankers are Ashkenazi Jews. This is who we're fighting. You want to take it to biblical spiritual roots, Revelation 2 and 3, 9, the Jews who say they are Jews and are not, they are the synagogue of Satan. I believe that's the Ashkenazi Jews. They have had an ancient... Who, uh, somebody want to say something? Because there's a mute on it. Okay, thank you. All right. The, uh, the, this is the reason for the ancient rivalry with Russia. So not only do they covet Russia and the resources, they got more resources than any other country in the world, and they can be totally independent, such as Putin has showed us, but they've got this ancient hatred of the Rus, okay? I mean, you know how they hate, well, hell, they hate everybody, okay? I imagine they hate themselves, really, but they certainly hate the Russians. And so they've got the situation of that rivalry right now. Everything, you know, everything that comes up, Russia, 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 that's because of this rivalry and this hate okay and they want to take back russia for a lot of reasons first of all probably the wealth because they used to control it until putin got in there and started putting the oligarchs in jail and kicking them out of the country okay and they're coveting russia and they also know that their end goal is this one world order thing and they got to get the u.s and russia merged while putin's standing up to them at every front syria here there now okay and these people can't stand it all right now i did hear uh, i was listening to a mike adams uh, uh last night and this morning a bit and um he was talking about he said the big picture is i don't remember where he got this but he got it from somebody it makes a lot of sense the big picture that's going on here is what they're trying to do is strengthen the dollar they want to create a war in europe for probably several you remember they always accomplish two or three things when they do something okay or more they want to create a war in in europe and so that it is happening right now because the euro will go down and all the people that are in the euro will move over to the dollar and strengthen the dollar and he was quoting somebody that was talking about how when the dollar fails it won't fail down it'll fail up and so as the dollar strengthens and strengthens and strengthens and it gets to a point then it'll fail okay so i I don't know if that's correct or not quite honestly but all this stuff in the ukraine is really important okay and and uh wahib it goes back to your your comment that started me off on this if you don't understand and know this history of the khazars and how this fits into the big picture you can't really understand what's happening today you can't understand their fanaticism i mean that's really the word isn't it their fanaticism uh that's anti-russian and putin of course now was in the gbh no matter what you hear putin was not in the kgb he was in the gbh that was one of the other more benign uh secret uh, uh their their intelligence services and i've heard recently that when the wall was up putin was in charge of east germany that's why him and merkel know each other so well okay don't i, I assuming that's correct 
but isn't, that, isn't Merkel, Merkel is related to Adolf Hitler? Don't know. Some, don't know about that. I just know she's. I mean, a not for Adolf Hitler, but the Rothschild. Roth, she's, a, she's. I know well, one Adolf thing. She's a communist. Okay, full blood, full blown World Economic Forum communist. We know that. Well, Roth, Adolf Hitler's mother worked for a Rothschild. That well, was, that's correct. I've, dis- heard, I've read that. But that's where supposedly Hitler came from, not her. Supposedly, okay. I mean, there's all these things floating around out there, and you don't know uh, because they flood the. Uh, they so many people come up with just like our patriot stuff here. No, the Social Security number is the nexus. People look for a connection. They pull something out of the rear end, and from then on, it's gospel, and it ain't gospel. See, so that's this disinformation pool of crap is another one of the big battles that we fight here, trying to wade our way through it and get a clear picture of what the real truth is. So anyway, that's some background, uh, Wahib, on all that. And if you don't know that, you really can't understand what's going over there today. Okay. Uh, it, it takes me a minute to take this phone. I'm walking down the street, so if it take it takes me a while to pull it out of my pocket yeah. and unmute. So you yeah. guys got to be okay. kind of patient. Well, Sorry we're, about that. we're we're a patient bunch here, Wahib, for the most hey, part. For the most part, yes. Is that Mike? Yeah, I just got an email from the State Department stating that uh, online renewal passport is online now. Yeah, they start. They announced that there's a, only for renewal. Not for original. They they're going to make you sign that thing in front of somebody. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, I, I, I applied for it a couple of weeks ago and it says it wasn't available. And I just got an email this morning saying it's they're back for the second uh, whatever it is huh. trial. Huh. I wonder if I could do that. I need to renew mine. Uh we'll see. I'm in no big hurry. Hell, I ain't going anywhere. I, I don't plan on leaving Ecuador. You know, I got a, a an elderly mom who. Uh, is fortunately in pretty good shape at this point, but at some point when she uh, is is going to depart, I guess I'm going to have to go back up there and deal with some of that crap if we still got a country left at that point. Uh, but hey, uh, was, wasn't there a rumor that uh, George Bush Senior's wife was the daughter of Aleister Crowley? Yeah, yeah, Barbara Bush has evidently had some questionable background. I don't know, you know, but very possible. I've heard that, Mike. Uh, speaking of mom, on a happier note, uh, she got her uh, Itera Saturday and used it Sunday, and she had severe pain and arthritis in her lower leg, and her ankles were swollen like Kathy's. And within within one day, it was gone. No pain, swellings down. She is happy as a tick on a dog. Okay, so uh, uh, more more great. Great, really encouraging uh, stories coming back from Itera. Harvey, uh, Harvey's got one and had a neighbor with uh, some sort of an ulcer on their ankle that they've been trying to deal with for years. Okay, and he went over there and did one treatment. And the next day, it was starting to heal already. All right, so did more and more of these stories on the Itera device, and uh, I'm just so grateful that thing fell in our lap. Okay, uh, Raj. Yes, Raj. Hold on, uh, I'll pause first. Go ahead. Just a uh, uh, well, little heads up on uh, Itera. Uh, I had an edema issue in my right foot. My ankle is back. Uh, and uh, I had a frozen shoulder and right shoulder. I treated it twice. 
I can now raise my arm above it's, my head I, for as long as I want with no pain. Folks, I'm telling you, this thing is a miracle. This is a gift from and, God, this Itera machine. I don't care if it was a Chinese engineer that broke the code or not. Okay. Also, Roger, how does the information process work? I, I sent them online a, a request for information two days ago, and I haven't heard anything. From what, what sent who? What you know? Look, this Itera thing—they don't have a direct connection with a clearing charge place, evidently. Okay, so all the charges are being run through PayPal. I don't know why. I just know that's what we got to deal with for the moment. Okay, so the way I'm set up because I can't sit here and deal with all y'all and do all this. Okay, I just don't. If I would have had to do that, I wouldn't be promoting it. I might have bought one, but I wouldn't be promoting it. And I think it's a tremendous, tremendous device. And I know a lot of our people are out there needing extra money. This is a network program. It's an incredible device that really, literally, in the condition we're in these days with the hospitals killing people with the doctors lying to you the more we can keep people away from either one of these new weaponized institutions the better off they are i think every household in the country needs one of these things okay because of what you're hearing the instant results from problems otherwise you'd be going to a doctor you walk in walk into a hospital with a sniffle today and they'll hit you on that remdesivir pro uh 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 a protocol and you're off to the morgue with you walk in with a damn sore throat and they're gonna they're gonna say you got covid pneumonia they're gonna hit hit you in the room they're gonna put the mask on you they're gonna start dripping remdesivir into you anything we can do to get people to stay away from hospitals or doctors is a step in their in their direction positive Okay. Roger, so I, I totally agree. And on their website, you can't buy it. You have to request more information. Okay. Well, our, uh, okay. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about ITERA. I know about what we're doing here. Okay. And so, one of our, one of, somebody in our group is an affiliate that we can. Uh, I am. Economically I am. Ron, Ron, well, what you do is you go in and request information and the information request co- triggers an email to oh, hold on let's get let's make address. ron are you going to the itera site or are you going to the marketing site i'm at terahertz.life okay what you need to do is go to the website and go over there, and on the top right, Paul has put a box up there. I use a marketing site that they that they've got. I got to pay for it. it's thirty bucks a month, okay? But you go in, and there's a several page protocol you go through. The first page asks you for information, name, and email. Then they're going to send you an email, and they do an email confirmation. That pops up the second page. At the bottom of the second, if you just want information, don't do the order. And they'll continue to send you information on it for five weeks through this marketing site. Okay, If you want to order it, at the bottom of the email confirmation page, there's an order button. And what you need to do is hit that, and then it's going to go to the financial page and ask you your credit card and your name and all that information. They don't run the charge there. I get an email, and I have to send it to John and Kathy so they can go over to PayPal and run it through PayPal. When that's done, you'll get an email confirmation that your charge has been run. And then when their unit ships, you'll get an email confirmation that the unit is shipped. That's my understanding. Okay? 
Hold on, hold on. Let Ron say something. Go, go ahead, Ron. I'm sorry. Somehow the email didn't get sent, so I'll try it again. I'm, I'm okay. sorry for taking up time. Well, I mean, I'm sorry that it has to be this procedure, okay, but I don't have any other choice. I just can't deal with everybody with this, with, with the with the other demands on my time, you know? Roger, Ron, you got that the link is through the Matrix Docs? Yeah, that's what I thought I said. Go over to the website. TheMatrixDocs.com is where that box is on the top right. Okay. So your ID with them is Town Crier? Correct. 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 Okay, cool. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I, I ordered my mom's last Thursday night. She had it on Saturday. Yep. Well, they've got 20 shipping depots around the country. And one of them evidently is in Mississippi. And Mississippi's about a, a, a good, a nine iron from Panama City. And they just popped it over there two days. I mean, I was shocked. Roger? Yes. Um, this is Carol from Michigan. Yes, Carol. Um, I'm still, I still have one extra. Does anybody need a machine and buy it from Carol? Because Carol ordered three. Correct. By mistake. Okay, I don't care if it's by mistake or not. It, <laughs> is this process? I know it's confusing. Don't, 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 don't do this. They will. They will How not. Much? They will not refund funds. That's why Carol's stuck with three of them. I think you got rid of one of them yesterday. She needs to get rid of another one. Okay. Yes. How I'm much, th- money, Carol? I'm sorry. How much? Same price, um, regular price, I price. guess. Yeah, three fifty. Too bad you can't hold it as a bartering item for the uh, the forthcoming collapse. Well. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you, you don't have any friends up there, Carol, that want it got ailments that want to get healed. Christmas is coming. Um, yes, no, yes, and no, no, I don't have any friends that were, are willing to purchase one, and the ones that I do already have one. Okay, so if um, any... so get what should we just get with you, Roger, and or just put my um, email on um, Jitsi. If you want to do that, put your email on Jitsi and see if anybody contacts you, okay? Okay, thank you. I yield. All right. You know, Roger, I'm thinking, you know, what you were saying about the minute you go into the Hold on. I got two or three people talking. Hold on. Go ahead, Wahib. What you were saying about the Resitivir, once you go, I can't say that. Remdesivir. 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 They got a million different names of these long names. Remdesivir. Anyhow, they want me to go. I said, somebody wants to say, well, why don't you take a test for the coronavirus? I said, well, I'm going to take a test and, and, and the test, number one, I don't know what's in it. Number two, you could be positive today and negative. You can take the same test an hour later and be negative. Well, the question I would, I would say that you ask them in response to their question is what test? Which test? The PCR test that the CDC said doesn't work, or some other? Not a, yeah, not just that. But I'm just gonna put on my yeah, quick. not just that. I'm, I'm at work. Let me let you go because this girl asked me to all do right, a favor. Go ahead and go take care okay. of business. All right, all right. Who was trying to say something? Hey, Roger. Hello. Hey, Roger. This is Chris from Texas. Hello, Chris. Hey, I I don't get to listen to you guys uh, usually except on Castbox because I'm busy, but. I've been picking up on a totally different deal, but Teresa's problems that she's having. And one of the things that I don't, and I don't know if it's been stated, but 
she needs to talk to somebody with regards to those regulations because all IRS regulations are part 301. They're internal use only. Well, somebody needs to bring that out. Chris, I'm going to have a conversation Monday afternoon with one of these lawyers from the Jones Law Firm. Teresa's set up, and she's paying for it, okay? And so we're going to get our foot in the door out there uh, in that law firm. And the important part is they got connections to Alex Jones. Yeah. Straight connections, okay? So I don't know. Teresa, you said that when you had that initial consultation with them, they had a bunch of lawyers in the same room, right? Yeah, they had about – I think I was introduced to like six of them at the same time, but I'm not totally sure. Okay. So, uh, and I read the letter. The guy that I'm going to be talking to, I'm assuming that's who wrote that letter back to you, uh, has been in the tax game for 11 and a half years. And I, yes. I, I can't wait to, to show these guys what's going on because they don't know. Well, so the other does, thing is also oh. is that, you know, not only are they part 301 regulations, they never went to the APA. They were it's just they're like all, that law. That, you, you, you've been listening to Ralph. Those are all interpretive regulations. Right, right. Okay. And just like the judge in, in, in Florida or wherever right. said, you, know, you didn't have to wear the mask. They're all internal. And so, you know, I mean, I don't know if she holds that back as the ace in the hole or whatever after you talk to these people. But, she, you know, that is a remedy if you know how to use it. Uh, well, I would think that, Chris, that you know. Hey, Chris. I, yeah. Can you hook up with me after the show? Get in touch with me after the show and explain that to me. Yeah, I'll explain it to you right now. I'll explain it to you right now. Okay. okay. There, I did a lot of work on this. Ralph Winterout, the late Ralph Winterout, who I'm assuming you got that from, Chris, was on the exact same track. I was just about 20 years before him. All right. Yeah. All right. The administrative state, Teresa, grew out of the bankruptcy. There were no administrative agencies before March the 9th, 1933. They all grew out of that. Okay. And what it took them until 1946 to get their rule book. In other words, these agencies all of a sudden popping up with man-made laws, little laws, regulations, they had no guidance. There was a bunch of problems in the Roosevelt administration years in the 30s as he tried to convert the country to this new system, slave system, and the old guard was in there fighting them, and the Supreme Court kept defeating him on these key cases. That's why Roosevelt stacked the Supreme Court. Okay, and they didn't have any kind of clear cut rule book until 1946. And in 1946, after World War II, they passed a piece of legislation called the Administrative Procedures Act. That's what Chris referred to a minute ago as the APA. That's what they call it. Okay, it's codified at Title Five, Section Five Five Two, and following. So the APA, their rule book that they've got to follow because they've got delegated responsibilities, okay? And if they act outside of them, their actions aren't legal, and they become personally liable. So this is their rule book, the APA. And in there, they talk about regulations and how they're promulgated. In other words, these man-made laws, they call them little laws. They call the administrative agencies, the administrative state, the fourth branch of government. They're the ones, the ones running the country, okay? That's what all this was for, was to put the lawmaking capability in unelected people that they control. So, you know, Trump said it's impossible to get clean out the deep state. Well, hell, that's because these people have staffed all these agencies for decades. They're their people, okay? okay. 
And so what they do is they promulgate regulations, all right? And they have three types. Statement of policy is the first. Interpretive is the second. And substantive or substantial are the third. Okay, so statement of policy, when they promulgate these regulations, Teresa, you've been around here enough to hear the phrase due process, right? Well, this is their due process. They've got a due process notice and the right to be heard. Well, there's three of these types of regulations. They're always published in the Federal Register. Have you heard the, about the Federal Register before, Teresa? I think so. Okay, the Federal Register is the legal organ for the federal government. Just like the legal organ in your area where people post bankruptcies, marriages, divorces, this is the legal organ of the federal government, the Federal Register. You can go on it online, okay? And they have to post those regulations in the Federal Register, the legal organ. Now, the first type is called a statement of policy, and that's nothing more than what it says. It's an agency putting out some kind of policy that's internal to the agency, and they publish it in the Federal Register. The second one is called an interpretive regulation, and they also promulgate the regulation and publish it in the Federal Register, but it's only also interagency. This is the case that Chris referred to out of Florida recently where the district judge who was a uh, by the way, she was a clerk of Clarence Thomas's, okay? And she's the one that ruled against the a- 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 CDC on the mask mandate because it was only an interpretive regulation. It, Roger, please yeah. hold that thought. Could you repeat number two again? I'm typing in the Chitango. No, I can't. Uh, what? The interpretive. Thank you. In, okay. Interpretive regulation. And interpretive regulations only apply interagency. So what happened in that case in Florida was the CDC was taking a regulation they promulgated as an interpretive regulation and applying it to the general populace. And they can't do that. It's only for the agency. So that mask regulation was only for the CDC. Where's all the noise coming from? Okay, was only for the CDC, and that's what that judge ruled. Now, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice said they're going to appeal it. You haven't seen them appeal it. They can appeal it, okay, because it's only for the agency, and this is set rules by the Administrative Procedures Act. Now, the third one is the different animal, and that's called a substantive regulation, okay, and that regulation does apply to the public at large. And because it applies not interagency but to the public at large, it's got to go through an additional step of due process. So not only are they due processing it, putting the Federal Register notice and the right to be heard, they got an extra layer of due process on substantive or what well, this is the term they use, general applicability. These regulations or these little laws man-made at the agency have general applicability to the public at large. The public, not the private, okay? And due to that fact, it has a whole special procedure that it goes through that the other two don't because those two only apply interagency. This one has general applicability, okay? And that is called notice and comment. And you can go to the Federal Register and look at this and see it. 
when there's a substantive regulation being promulgated, the first time they put it in there, it says notice of proposed rulemaking. And they list the regulation. And down at the bottom, they'll have a contact person, and they'll tell you you got 30, 60, 90 days to, uh, if you've got a, a comment, positive or negative. You got that much time, and you get your comment input into the person who's listed at the bottom of the regulation. In theory, they take those comments, they take that time period, they re-promulgate the regulation, and then they publish it in the Federal Register as notice of final rulemaking. Final. So you got proposed and final with a comment area in between. Once that, there's a, there's a specific listing. Once that regulation it, uh, it goes into effect, it can't take effect for, I think, 30 days. I haven't studied this in 25 years, okay? I think it was like 30 days before the regulation can take effect and be active. But it's got to go through that notice and comment procedure to have general applicability. Now, how does this apply to you and IRS? IRS has never done a regulation with notice and comment. All of their regulations are like the CDC. They're all interpretive. They only apply to the IRS, and they use them because people don't know what I just explained to you. They go out and use them, and my question has been for a long time, same one probably Ralph had. Why don't attorneys take an IRS case in and use this basis of getting rid of the case? Because they probably wouldn't be attorneys very long. They wouldn't be practicing very so they long. Wouldn't, so basically they just wouldn't be making any money. The lawyers? Well, you know, I, yeah. just like I said, your, your companies are scared. Whoever you work for is more scared of the IRS than you are. And the same thing here. Okay, I don't know the answer to that. I can only suppose, but I know that these regulations, because I trace the ones. Here's what happened to me. I, I got into this stuff. I never had a tax problem. Boy, I had one real quick. Okay, and so I fought. Uh, I get a, a notice of a summons for books and records from the IRS, and me being me, I decided to fight them on it. Okay. And so took them to federal court, all that kind of stuff. Not not fun, all right, especially as a green pro se. Not fun, all right. That's why I tell you, do preemptive stuff. Don't get in a dance with these people, okay, because they'll ruin your life real quick as you're learning, Teresa, okay? So, uh, yeah, but I didn't do anything. They just, well, it doesn't matter whether you did anything or not. They're screwing with your life, okay? So, uh, right. so I, I take them to court on this notice, uh, a summons for books and records. I had a great law teacher back then, a friend of mine, Gary Bryant. Some of you may have been exposed to Gary's teachings. He wasn't a very good teacher, but he's a damn good researcher, okay? And uh, so Gary's the one that hammered this stuff into my head. He understood it perfectly, okay? And it took me a, a, a little bit of time to get over the hump of learning what I just explained to you, okay, because it's complex. And uh, so the problem was I didn't – here. let me see if I can get the cart before the horse here. Uh, as I was researching this, you're under a lot of pressure. <laughs> You're under a lot of pressure. 
You, you, I mean, if you don't, if you've never been through this, you just can't imagine it. Okay, you're going into this court. You don't know anything about court proceedings. You're trying to get this law thing. You got these blood suckers after you. There's a lot of pressure there. Okay, and so as I was researching it and trying to learn this, the there there are two federal depositories in the Atlanta area. One of them's Emory University with hard copies of stuff. The other is right in downtown Atlanta called Georgia State. And because of the space limitations at Georgia State, they've got all this stuff on microfish. All right. So when you go to the Federal Register and find a regulation, at the bottom of the regulation, if it's an update from a previous regulation, they'll have that regulation in brackets. So you can find a regulation that you're interested in and trace it back because they give the previous regulation there at the bottom. And so when I was researching this summons for books and records, and Gary taught me how to do it, and so I went down, I started tracing it back on previous regulations. Well, they all, guess where they all end? 1954. 60 days after Brown versus Board of Education, when they equalized the two settings, when they made Jim Crow and Whitey equal legally, 60 days after that, they put the 1954 Internal Revenue Code in place. That's the capstone of their 100-year plan is the 1954 Internal Revenue Code. Every time you trace back one of these regulations, that's where it'll end in 1954. And I trace that one. And it was all interpretive. There was never a step in there where it went through notice and comment. So what does that mean? That regulation only applied to the IRS internally. But the problem was, hold on, the problem was for me that I didn't understand that until after the hearing had taken place. And I couldn't, I didn't bring it up at the hearing because I didn't understand it yet. And in the court system, if you've got something like this, I could have appealed that case up to the appellate level, okay, the 11th Circuit's right there in Atlanta. I could have appealed it up there, but because I didn't bring that up at the first court setting, I can't add it into the case of the appeal, to the appeal. Okay, now I just okay, threw, I just threw a bunch of wait, stuff wait, wait. at you, Please, okay? Let me speak for a minute because I'm paying for this lawyer and I need Roger's advice. So what I'm going to get out of this meeting is to decide on that moment. Once once you listen to this person, if he's hell bent on not representing me properly and just trying to soak me for the rest of the 20 Teresa, I'm, I'm not doing this to evaluate an attorney for you. I'm doing this well, to listen, try and I, educate. But I'm paying for All right. Well, Roger, great. I'm All right. paying I, for it. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm paying for it to dis. Wait, hold on. hear me out, please. I'm paying for it specifically to figure out if I want them or not, because so far I'm not satisfied with them. So well, this is why I, you, I'm you got, bringing you in to... Look, you got every reason not to, to be... To, Teresa, are we going to have problems? Yep. No, I just need to be able to express what I'm saying here. I, on this day, after you talk to them... And if you feel like, hey, these people are like a dead end, I need to know because I'm going to tell them straight up, pay me my money back, I'm done with you. You're going to know as you listen into the conversation because you're going to know how receptive he is to this information, how he reacts. That's my point. Okay. You're going to know from my discussion with him what your decision is going to be. Exactly. Okay. So 
my object here, Teresa, is to try and educate somebody that's one of the attorneys in this law firm that's got a high profile, that's got a lot of IRS cases, and see if they're open to this information. Because it's going to, look, I could tell why that letter he returned to you. They have no idea about this. And see, that's, I understand this. You guys don't. You're new to this. You think now that you understand it, everybody understands it. Well, they don't. Judges, lawyers, none of these people understand this. They've all been hoodwinked. And it depends on their receptivity as to whether they're open to the information or not. Now, the good thing about dealing with attorneys is you can go back, and I can go back and show them the law. They've got legal training. They're going to understand it much more so than the average street person. Okay, but the, everything the I, we've never I've never gone and researched a bunch of regulations of IRS, but I know now and my sense is, but Ralph Winterout did. Ralph Winterout never found an IRS regulation that went through notice and comment. I didn't either. This is part of their scam. They use an interpretive regulations. Hold on, Gary. They're using interpretive, interpretive regulations to run their whole scheme on a voluntary system. Yeah, Gary. Well, I got to throw something in here, and that is they don't have to publish in the Federal Register federal, for any case involving federal employees, contracts, public officers, federal agencies, the military, and federal benefit recipients. That's under, you can find that site under 44 U.S.C. 1505A1 and 5 U.S.C. 553-Alpha. Okay, well, 5 5 U.S.C. is in squarely in the APA. I don't know about 44. So, look, I'm just... since they... That since they consider us federal employees based upon Supreme Court decisions, if you're a U.S. citizen, they don't have to publish it in the Federal Register. But, Gary, they can't take a public regulation that they have published that doesn't apply to you and go apply it to you either. Okay, I'm, I'm just, just telling you. This is just a, this is something I learned along the way. I've never seen anybody go in and contest it on them, but I did see somebody go in and contest this mask mandate. And the judge ruled in their favor and against the CDC because it did not go through notice and comment. I'm not disagreeing with you, Roger. I'm just letting you know the other side of the coin. If they have things in place, if you're a federal and, and they consider U.S. citizens federal employees. Well, I guess if you wanted to go in court and contest that, you could, couldn't you? You don't get a paycheck from the feds. Now, I would say that uh, you, your position would be much, much stronger if you contested it as a U.S. national. Well, then they don't got any authority. I don't disagree with you, but... Teresa and these other people's situations, they're not going to go back and grandfather that in. Raj? Yes. The most recent thing I read, uh, 
just because they have bestowed upon us 14th Amendment citizenship at birth, the government regards that as a franchise. Voting. And that is where the duty lies. Is That's the benefit that they have applied to everybody. And like you say, if you get the benefit, you owe the duty. No, that's the basic formula for for jurisdiction right there, okay? Just phrased another way. Uh, so, look, my specialty, folks, is getting people out of the system. All the I get another email this morning from a guy. He goes, well, I was driving in the adjacent county yesterday, and I was speeding, and I got a ticket, and I hadn't done all the notice stuff on the back end. What should I do? Folks, that stuff ain't my specialty. I know how you got into the system and how to get you out. All this other stuff is up to you, okay? We might can give you some suggestions, but I don't have any magic bullet over here on the right side. I got a magic bullet on the left side. I can just drop the pants and get ready to get ripped. Okay. So it's just like I told you, I, I wrote the guy back. I said, we spent three entire shows with Judy on a situation just like this. Either fight it or pay it. One of the two. You make the decision. Roger. Yes. This is Joe from Oklahoma. Hey, Joe. Uh, at the risk of changing subjects. Oh, I tried, God. I tried, I tried to get a hold of you yesterday, and I'm not too good with these chat rooms or anything. But anyway... I wanted to bring up the subject with regarding the slavery deal, 14th Amendment, whatever. Uh, was any, did anybody see the news clip of Don Lemon from CNN interviewing a lady that was, they called her, I can't recall her name, but they called her a royal commentator. And Lemon was quizzing her about all the wealth that the, British royalty had and what, whether or not they ought to be paying reparations to the black slaves in England and also to those that they helped facilitate the movement across the waters to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was really surprising. And it looked like she hit him in the head with a baseball bat. It took him by surprise so much. But she just. I seen a clip of that this morning. Beg your pardon? She saw a clip of it this morning. Go ahead, Joe. Okay. Well, I, I saw it Wednesday evening. But, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but she, she basically said, you know, if you want to talk about reparations, you need to start talking about the reparation of all the white people that helped liberate the black people. And let's carry it even further than that. Let's go on back to Africa and, and your own people in Africa need to pay reparations to the black people and the white people because... It was the black people in Africa that sold them into slavery in the first place. Well, I bet Don Lemon loved that. Oh, I'll tell you what. I never saw such a dumbfounded look on a person in all my life. It was really amazing. Um, You know, and and nobody says it, but the reparations need to be paid by the people that made the money, and that's the Jews. Virtually all of the slave ships were owned by Jews, and virtually all the slave traders were Jews. It was a Jewish endeavor to the point on the two high holy days in the Jewish calendar, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they closed the slave markets. Okay. These little same little pieces of shit that are doing all this other stuff were the ones responsible for that. Not to mention all the inter- not to mention all the people in the entertainment business that got 
burned. Remember that they own the entertainment business. They own. I heard. Did you guys hear uh, the other night on Rents? Uh, it was like two nights ago. He's got a guy on there, a historical guy he has on occasionally, and he did a whole hour revolving around how 1913 was the demise of the republic. Okay, of course, centers on the Federal Reserve Act and all that. Well, that what that might have been the start of it, but the demise of the republic was March the ninth, 1933. This guy obviously didn't understand that. Okay. But he was talking about all that stuff, and and I, for, I forgot the point I was going to make. But uh, uh, he was taught he, he did a whole deal on the sixteenth and the seventeenth amendment. But n- I've never heard anybody else comment or figure out or put together that one of the reasons the seventeenth amendment was put in the Constitution—that's the senator amendment—was to stop states' rights input into the federal government. Because before that, the senators were appointed by the state legislature. So anybody that had the skill and the political knowledge to maneuver themselves to the point where they understood what was going on enough or had enough political clout to be appointed to senator was appointed to the senator, and they represented the states. The 17th Amendment severed that, and it made senators popularly elected, for one thing. The other thing I think they did to control, so they could control the election with money, obviously. And the second thing is the senate is the only body in government that votes to ratify treaties and treaties override the constitution he didn't mention that that's a really important point in all that okay so uh it's folks it's a mess as you're learning hey roger yes no go ahead no no please go ahead oh i was going to say um you don't believe that March 9th, 1933, when we declared bankruptcy, it's not like any other bankruptcy. And they put all the assets into a trust so the creditors couldn't come after them. Well, they put it, they, they, they're trustees over the bankruptcy, and in the change of the system, they made all the people property. It's not just the property in the national parks or that federal buildings are on. The people are considered the property in the new system. But didn't they do that to protect everything from the creditors, like everybody that we The owed? creditors did it to take over the country. Hey, Roger. Okay. That's why, hold on, let's address this. That's why there was no Secretary of the Treasury before 1933. That is a position because he works for the International Monetary Fund. It's in the title. It's in the United States Code in Title 28. The Secretary of the Treasury is the governor of the fund. They took over the money. The IRS is directly reports and gets its marching orders from the Secretary of the Treasury. The Secretary of the Treasury is paid by the International Monetary Fund, not the federal government. And they did the same thing via treaty with the Department of Justice. That's why we can't get any justice. DOJ and Treasury are under the IMF in bankruptcy. Just like in Canada. Well, it's just like all over the world. They use the same cookie cutter everywhere. Hey, Roger. Yes. Yeah, I sent that to uh, Rents and asked him to share it with Mitchell and Frank, Mitchell Henderson and Frank, about, you know, traffic ants, that paragraph you're talking about. I sent to you. Okay, great. You know, and it has the, uh, it's the whole thing from uh, traffic You can't get to Rents. He's too interested in UFOs and people that talk backwards. Once in a while, he'll, very 
you know, he'll either bring stuff up on the air or he'll, uh, he will very rarely he get, he respond gets, to me. He gets 500 emails a day. I know, I know, but I put it in the title what it is, and I don't make anything long. Okay. I know that. So, well, I, you so know, he, he, he does pay attention now and then. But anyway, but, uh, Frank Joseph, he's has another name, and he's he's a Jew, and he was faking to be a national, I mean, a national socialist, whatever, back in the day in the eighties, and got caught with boy porn and diddling, and went to jail for it. But he's a very good historian. And he was focusing on this for this hour. Now, I'm sure he probably knows about this, and maybe he'll focus on it for an hour. But I wrote down those six things, or I typed them, rather. And um, so if you want to hear them or not. What six things? In 19, That all took place in 1913. Well, that was federal. Okay, I can tell you. The 16th Amendment was passed in February. They passed the 17th Amendment in April. They went on, and then they got. Uh, uh, they went all the way to the end of the year, and they passed the Federal Reserve Act. The day before Wilson signed the Federal Reserve Act was when all the moguls in Hollywood got together and formed Metro-Golden-Mayer. Okay, that's where Hollywood was formed the day before Wilson signed the Federal Reserve Act. Yep, yep there were that, two competitors. Was there was September. two com- two competitors. Well, he said it was the day before. Okay, I I know he said September twenty second for Hollywood, and then then he said December. I know he did, but then Does, he went it back over and he said the day after. So that's September twenty third. But I can look that up. Okay, whatever, yeah, Murr, Okay, that was the year, and all these things happened. The Hollywood guys, they had two competitors. Edison had a company on the East Coast. There was another film company that was starting in Chicago. The folks in Hollywood went in, as usual, and got these two competitors out of the way, and they had the whole monopoly from Hollywood from 1913. Right, they stole Edison's stuff, and we're showing them in a little... Uh, they stole Edison's know. damn moving picture machine, for Yeah, God's and sake. the reason they went out west so far was because, you know, the only way to, to converse would be through the lawyers traveling these long train rides, and they knew that, so... So, okay, my point the other with all that was that he didn't even bring the bankruptcy in and saying the Republic changed in 1913. That's not true. It didn't change until 33 when they changed the system. The gold was gone and the paper money was in. Right. Well, I'm just saying he was focusing on 1913, so maybe he'll do one on 1933. Don't count on it. I doubt if he understands it. Well, I don't know. That's that's one reason, like I said, I sent that. And the IRS was 4313. So he was- kept, no, no. Now, that's absolutely wrong. That was the Bureau of Internal Revenue. The IRS was not formed until 1951 with an internal treasury order called TO-51, I believe. That's when they formed the IRS, not in 1913. All those people in all those years were were the Bureau of Internal Revenue. That's the revenuers. That's the ones that went after the stills and the whiskey people. Okay, and the moonshiners that became BATF. Okay. All right. So again, this guy—I'm not pointing fingers at him. He just doesn't have his facts right. Well, that's one reason I pointed out that that's not his real name and some of his history. Okay, because then you need to double check everything else. Okay. So, uh, but 
All right, I got off on that just because I wanted to explain that this guy that did this hour didn't really add some. He had a lot of the facts right uh, on the basis, but that's not the day we lost the republic. We lost the republic on March the ninth of thirty three with the bankruptcy. Okay. Well, I hope he gets informed. That's but why no, I said I, yeah, I've been trying to get to rents for 11 and a half years, Murr. I bought $3,500 worth of spots on his site. I couldn't even get him to listen to me. Yeah. I've tried for 11 and a half years. I've just given up, okay, quite frankly. Yeah. Oh, you <clears throat> Can I give you something else you might be find interesting? In my mailbox was a green card, but not that green card. It says, uh, please be advised that your request has been granted and you have been disqualified. You do not need to report for jury service. There you and go. So yeah, you, but they're you, gonna, they, they say I'm required to serve again for three years. Well, they'll just get the same information. So, But at least they did. So uh, you, you, know, you can write them back and tell them. Write them back and tell them my status ain't going to change in three years. But, well, I don't uh, have to tell them anything. Let them, let them try in three years. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, why so, bother? All but right. they did. Now I didn't have a copy of my cover letter. You know, I should have kept a copy, but I, I didn't. I, you know, just thought to write that up in the car before I sent it in, and I put the domicile address and the abode address, which this is. So it did make it here, which is good. <clears throat> didn't have to go through the family there and make them worry or whatever. So. All right. I so, think it's Roger, interesting that they uh, say you're disqualified from jury service. They should say delivered from jury service. There you go. What, who's, well, who, I, who, I, just like, I just like that it said, uh, please be advised that your request has been granted. <laughs> okay. I don't request anything from you people. I tell you things. Who was trying to I say, mean, hey, it, Roger, a minute ago? It just sounds futile. That's all. Pardon me? Phil from Ohio. Hello, Phil. You knew? Well, Will. Will from Ohio. Will, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, real quick. Thanks, Roger. Uh, great show. Um, I just wanted to add, it's all, it's all President Eleanor's fault. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, President uh, Eleanor uh, with the Kwanzaa uh, ship that came into the New- Newport uh News, they had those 86 Jews that were refused uh, coming into port. No, I don't know anything about that. Oh, okay. Right. But, you know, they wouldn't let, you know, you know why they wouldn't let Jews into the U.S. back then, don't you? Yeah, 1940s after the World War II. Yeah, you know why they wouldn't let the Jews in the U.S.? Because they were uh, suspected to be spies? Because they wanted them all in Israel. Ah. Okay. So, who else had some kind of question or comment there? Yeah, I got a question about the Department of State. Um, my declaration. Uh, let me find. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Who am I speaking with? Philip from Ohio. Okay, Phil. I'm sorry. I can't get all you new people's voices, all right? This is not Will. It's Phil. Exactly. Okay. You can understand my confusion. Hi, Phil. What part of Ohio are you in? Northwest. Okay. Across the border from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. Are you new to us here? I'm new right now, but I talked to you when you were on RBN five, six years ago. I wasn't on RBN five or six years ago. Really? Honest engine. Must have been some... 
Okay, some some I'm, particular. I, uh, I might have been on a show there with like Ingrid or something, but I have not had any regular uh, slot on RBN until just this year with Ralph's spot. Okay. So. Anyway, I got some questions about the um, State Department Declaration of Intent. About the Declaration? Uh, you wanted to ask a question about the Department of State? Correct. Okay. And what? When I address them, do I need to address them as the United States in all caps? No, don't worry. That's all form and no substance. W- what did you say you were going to submit to them? It sounded like a David Strait document. Um, no, I think it was something you mentioned here a couple of days ago. Um, basically, a one sentence. Uh, well, yeah, that's a, that's that's your affidavit. That's your that's not had doesn't have anything to do with it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, that comes from a State Department document, Phil. You can go on the website mm-hmm. and drag it up. Okay, go to travel.state.gov. Travel.state.gov. That's the State Department website. And up in the search engine on the top right, you want to write Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. I'll repeat it. Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. When there'll be a list of documents that comes up that that's respond to the search, just pick the top one. Okay. At the bottom of that document, there's that one sentence disclaimer you're asking about. That's from the State Department policy document on the State Department website. It says, I, Phil from Ohio, do solemnly swear my intention to be a national and not a citizen of the United States. That's all you need to send them. You can embellish it if you'd like. I've got a sample up on the matrixdocs.com that's a little more full, if you will. But that one statement in one page to the Secretary of State will get you out of this shooting match, okay? Sounds good. All right. I suggest you get it notarized. I suggest you get it notarized. And okay. And uh, just because you could do it as a declaration, an affidavit's got a little more legal power, okay? And that's what I'd, I suggest that people do. Use one of those, whatever. The important thing is you're telling them what you want to be and what you don't want to be. It doesn't really matter how you tell it. I get all these people that say, oh, Roger, look over my affidavit. Look over my affidavit. Well, they pull it straight off the sample affidavit, and they send it to me and say, is there anything wrong with it? Now, i got to take my time to sit there and read something that I wrote and put on the website so they're not antsy. Well, I can see why they're antsy, because you really just need to go to that document and not anybody's elaboration. If you want to elaborate, that's one thing. But that's not a quote. It says quote number five, and then it's not a quote. It's an elaboration. That's one problem I have with matrix stocks. What What are you saying, Murray? I'm saying the sentence at the bottom of the travel.state.gov. It's an elaboration, but it says it's a quote on matrix stocks. If you're going to say, say it's a quote. It's a quote the on the State Department document. I know. But it, well, then elaborate. what are you bitching about? It's elaborated on. It's yeah, elaborated. I expanded it. It's the same thing. Well, I want to be a na- Mur, just it's shut up quote. for a minute. 
I want to be a national with God-given constitutionally protected rights and not a citizen of the United States in a condition of voluntary servitude under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment. It's much more succinct and exact. It's not a quote. Mur, sometimes I wish I could reach over there and slap you. I'm going to tell you. Likewise, Likewise, honey. I've never heard anybody major on the damn minors like you do. I just like truth, you know? Whole truth and nothing but it. You like to nitpick everything. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Your accuracy in small things, you'll be accurate in large things. The word promulgate is not promulgate. It is. Yeah, well, what about aluminum is not aluminum like they pronounce it in England, Murr? Well, that's you bad. major on the minors. Stop it. No. Well, Tell then. The truth. Mm-hmm. Well, Murr, why don't I just turn the show over to you and let you run it, okay? Well, there won't be any show then. Then no shit. Who else Calm has got down. something to ask? Calm down, Roger. I love you. God, Murr, I want to stop. I swear if I could reach through the phone, I'd slap you sometimes, okay? With this nitpicking Murr, this, bullshit. this is the I second time you've baited Roger into getting upset. Last time it was about that other person that we don't speak of on this channel. Does somebody have something constructive here, or you want to take away from everything, too? Hey, Roger, it's Dan from Pittsburgh. How you doing? I'm I'm a little hot right now, Dan. All right, well. I was just wondering if you happen to, on the show here, I don't know if you did or not, uh, go through the letter from Mr. Pace to Teresa. Oh, I saw it. Mer sent me a copy of it. I read it briefly. Okay. I didn't go through right. it. Would, I mean, I went be... through it from what I saw, but all okay, I saw was she's, are you a member of an Indian tribe or some? Are you a sovereign citizen or some other crap? They don't know what's going on over there. So could we dissect that on the show here? Sure, if you want to, I guess. Okay, so the first paragraph says, uh, this is the attorney going to Teresa. One question that would be of importance here, do you belong to or are you a descendant of an indigenous tribe or Native American tribe? Yeah, do you understand why? Do you know why he's saying that? Uh... How about in the Constitution where it says Indians not taxed? In the Constitution? Yes. Okay, so that's why he's bringing that up. Go on with it. Uh, Okay, so then he says, if you are, you can apply for tribal sovereignty. Right, there you go. Which the federal government recognizes. Yes, that's why they let them put casinos on Indian reservations. Okay. All right. So Indians are exempt from tax is what he's pointing out here. Well, he's that's he's probing. He's asking her these questions because he doesn't understand what she's saying when she tells him she wants to file for a national. Okay. So then in the second paragraph, he goes on to say, if you are not, then the Department of Treasury slash IRS does not recognize any type of national 
or sovereign citizenship, and you would still have to adhere to the U.S. tax code as a regular U.S. citizen. That's not correct. In 1.1-1A, their jurisdictional statement, there's two categories. One's for citizens of the United States and the residents, and the other's this nebulous label, non-resident alien. They do respond to non-resident alien. In the tax code, they don't respond to national, which a non-resident alien is. Okay, that's great. And can we just... You talk about 1.1a. Where do we find that? In 26 CFR 1.1-1a. 26 CFR. That's the Code of Federal Regulations. That's the Internal Revenue Code, 26. In the code, it's 26. In the regulations, it's 26. They correlate. Then you open up, you go to little, the hell, they even got Code of Federal Regulations in elementary school libraries, for God's sakes. You can find them anywhere, okay? Go to Title 26 or go on the, on the web, find 1.1-1A, that's IRS's jurisdictional statement, okay? You want me to read it? Do you want me to recite it to you? Sure. Okay. An income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents. And to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. There's your national. You know, one of our guys, Chuck, who had a relationship with Ralph Winterout, was trying to get my stuff open to Ralph. Ralph had blinders on and wouldn't look at it. But he went to the point, Chuck's telling him you're a national. So what does Ralph do? Chris, are you still with us? You were a Ralph listener. What does Ralph do? Ralph runs the word national in Title 26 on LexisNexis. And he comes back and tells uh, Chuck, well, the national's not mentioned anywhere in the Internal Revenue Code. Because Ralph didn't understand the enemy and how they think. He wanted to go by the exact black letters on the page. And you can't do that alien. Non-resident alien is the national. It is the national. There, you know, there's they only it from TD twenty three thirteen. There's only two conditions: you're either free or you're a slave. We know which one the slave position is in that statement. The non-resident alien's got to be the free one by default. There are no other options. Now, that, who, that, need, go that ahead. needs to be repeated. That needs to be repeated for the 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 new people god we repeat it on here all the time okay you know something uh roger these people they were one time i had the i had i had a real bad cough and sniffles like i get every once a year or once a hey, you you want to take it you should take a test <laughs> you know, like earlier just now, I had swallowed a piece of ice. You know, I'm eating ice, and then I started coughing because it went down the wrong. You can't, you can't, you can't have anything go around the wrong pipe. You know what I'm saying? You know, drinking water or anything and cough. I'm like, what the freaking heck? What do they do? Remember, they had people staying out of work. You stay out of for 15, 20 days if you're positive. What in the world is this craziness? It's the world we live in, Wahib. Does anybody have anything constructive to bring forward here? Thank you. 
Roger, this I is like, uh, hold this on. Is Somebody's Ron talking Georgia. right here, and I sent something. Is, Ron, is that Ron? Hey, Ron. Yes, sir. I wanted to uh, just repeat something to the group that I, I emailed you earlier today, yes. uh, following up on what Adam in Etowah County, Alabama, uh, possibly might might be doing. I live in uh, Spalding County, Georgia, and I have uh, sent uh, my affidavits out to the chief of police, the sheriff, the DA, and I have an appointment on Monday to talk with the uh, election board supervisor. But we're a small enough community that my goal is to try to do what y'all talked about yesterday on the show in my county. And my gosh, if we could get a handful of counties across the, the country doing this, Wow, it's just amazing to think of the possibility. Ron, Ron, I've been striving for it for many, many years, man. And and Gary has done up there in Flathead County, Montana, the best job of anybody. Uh, And i got to give a lot of credit to Gary and Gina for what they've accomplished up there. And they've got us a Petri dish, you know. But, yeah, we could duplicate that in all kind of counties, but you got to get at least 12 people in your county. My, my thinking, I don't know if there's some place you can go read this, but you got the reason you got to get at least 12 is because 12 is the composite of a, grand, of a common law grand jury. So that's where you start. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Ron. Hey, this is John. I live in Alpharetta, so unfortunately I, I wish I was near you in, in Spalding County. But this question kind of goes to you and, and to the, the rest of the panel. So I sent out a lot of notifications to local and uh, state government. And uh, I kind of chuckled because several of the departments, they opened my letter, read it. They folded it back up into three. They put it in their own envelope and they sent it back to me. <laughs> wow. Has anyone else had this happen? I've got, uh, I don't know, like four different departments that have done this but admittedly i mean i sent out probably a hundred different notifications but four of them have come back like this well you're in fulton county the seat of uh, election fraud and corrupt government uh, for the southeast so uh, yeah it's, a, it's kind of a rival between fulton and gwinnett i think it's uh, it's neck and neck but yeah you're right well we're a small enough county in spalding that i actually emailed all of the officials and i said you're going to get some mail from me and reach out to me and i'd like to discuss it with you because i, I want to try there tend to be more like-minded than not uh since this is a mostly republican county but you know i just wanted to try to start conversations but all of that has really got me digging in deep because i've got to know it better than i knew it a couple weeks ago you know, and I, I've got to know the material enough to try to explain it to people at least uh, for a, an initial conversation. Um, you know, and we'll we'll see where it goes. Well, the, the, to do that, you simplify it as much as possible, and you go back and use Jim Crow because everybody in Spalding County knows about the Jim Crow laws, unless they've been they in a, unless they've been in a limestone cave down there somewhere. Okay, no, that's all the uh, left talks about. They live in the 1960s. So if well, I'm, I'm writing. Go, go ahead. I'm writing mine. I don't have a my tie. I don't have a computer. I'm writing mine out. They're going. It's going to be printed, and that's it. Okay, that'll work fine. Bivens, the the Bivens lawsuit was written by on on paper pencil. Went to the Supreme Court. Okay. But so, John, as as you mentioned a f- couple weeks ago or so on the chat. 
I mean, your intention as well as my intention, I intend to be driving around here at some point uh, in uh, private plates on my car. And, you know, they, it's, it's good for the, the police to, to know and understand what you're doing. So anyway, that's, that's a good reason to have a, have a conversation with them, if nothing else. Uh, I'm sorry Jeff had to go away today. Uh, he said he was going to leave in the second hour because he just sent me a letter that he sent to the Texas and turned in his license tags yesterday. He's, that's what he's doing is going to mail that today. Uh, so uh, there's there's folks that are doing this, you know. And De- Jeff wrote a really good little short letter. I was I was real proud of him. So anyway, Ron, back to your questions. One was, can you do that in your county? Your other question was, are state employees considered federal employees? I don't think so. Now, Georgia, the state of Georgia is a federal subdivision, okay? But I don't think Georgia employees, because they're paid by the state of Georgia, not by the federal government, would be considered federal employees. And then the county and the city is also a subsidiary then. But, yeah, that might be the same same thing that you just said. They're, yeah, they're well, paid the, by the city and county. Uh, yeah, but because uh, in a lot of instances, the sheriff and stuff is paid by the county. That's why they're out there doing this. That's why they're down there on, what is it, 75? That's why they're down there on 75 giving you all them tickets. Yeah. Okay, that's revenue. So it is. I drove 250 miles yesterday, and they were all over the place. So oh, so they're really out efforts. these days. That's because that's because money's so tight. Yeah, I don't usually have a problem until I get down to about Tifton, then it gets thick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tifton South, right? And they're doing this stuff now, back on the trains again, handing out tickets. People, people on people were wiped. People were completely wiped out by the COVID scam. And then they're trying to get money out of people. And it what on three hundred dollars on the trains for what? Not wearing a mask? N- no, not have buying a ticket. Oh. Yeah, first oh, they jumping. let you go, they let Why he They let everybody ride around without a ticket. For about a year, two years, two, two, three years. I mean two years. And then 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 they now they're trying to push this ticket thing. Okay, well, we all don't live in Los Angeles, so we're not aware of all this stuff, you know. And I'm sorry that you people have to live out there, quite frankly. And I'm sure most of those people are, too, or else there wouldn't be a total absence of U-Hauls in the state of California because everybody's moving out and nobody's bringing them back. And, and, and the housing market just collapsed, and I told these morons that, I, that are related to me, I told them a, a year ago, the whole thing is going to fall and collapse. You got houses in Louisiana, Texas, you know, and now, now the, the houses are half of what they were worth six months ago. Yeah, well, we're going back to nominal value on all this stuff. Is this damn? Remember, what we talk about here of them making you property, this is the whole basis of the, of the financial system. They can collateralize your future income and have the money extracted by the IRS to pay the bondholders who are day-to-day financing the country. The whole thing hey, hinges on you being a piece of property. Their whole game, all this administrative procedure stuff, they can't make man-made laws for somebody they don't have jurisdiction over, and because you're considered property, they got jurisdiction over you. There's the whole administrative state. Over here, collateralizing your future income to be extracted by the IRS is the whole basis of the financial system. 
There ain't no money. There's only credit and your future income collateralized. It's all a house of sand. It's all the damn Wizard of Oz. Yes, Mike. Yeah, uh, talking about the housing market, uh, I got a notification from uh, from our company, 84 Lumber, of uh, the pricing and, you know, and the housing market. There's a manager in Texas that gets over a half a million dollars every three months from his bonuses because that's how much his, his store is doing. His store is doing $25 million a day in lumber and building houses Whoa. in Texas. Yes. Yep. So he's receiving a half a million dollars every three months on, a, on his bonus wow. because he sells that much. Well. So, yeah, here's what's going to happen to him. His bonus is about to go down. Did they? Did we get a rate hide out of the FOMC yesterday? Did anybody hear? If you'd have heard it, there'd already be commotion up there. So I yes, guess they did. It, it was three quarter of one percent. Three quarters of a percent. Yes, sir. Are the markets crashing today? They should be. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Because we remember one percent caused a uh, what a fifty uh four hundred percent drop or something last year. Uh, the market no, largely last, done nothing. Last week, somebody raised an interest rate one tenth of one percent, and it caused the markets to crash on that day. This is three quarters of a percent. Do you guys realize how unusual and what a reactionist policy that is? Have you followed think- this FOMC for years? The most they ever raise an interest rate generally is 0.25, and that's considered extreme. They usually go by what they call basis points, and they'll raise it 10 basis points. That's out of 100 out of a full percentage point. Yesterday, they raised it three-quarters of a point, folks. Yeah, you, you can look, most you of this can look is for everything. It, it's baked in. Everything forward is going to tank from that yesterday. I, it's funny. I didn't hear anybody mention it last night. Okay, That's a huge increase from the Federal Open Market Committee. There's a graph that you can find online that shows interest rates over time, and it's just like this descending wedge. Uh, since the 1970s, and they're they're just in this little corner, and if they get it up anymore, and probably yesterday will do it. Yeah, the economy just tanks because yeah, there's so much debt. Okay, what well, the the bond market that we're in now started in the early 80s, Ron. This is when we had a Georgia president named Jimmy Carter up through the 70s, and they had rampant inflation. Reagan got elected. If you'll remember, he appointed a guy, this giant, six foot eight, Paul Volcker, as the head of the Federal Reserve. The first thing Volcker did was go in and start raising interest rates. In the early 80s, interest rates got up to 22%. Okay? And that quelled the inflation from Carter, and it also set up the bond rally that's been going on since the early 80s that's crashing right now. And on top of that, there's an overlying cycle of bonds that's a 350-year cycle, and it's crashing now, too. Greetings, Roger. Hello. Um, I have two steps backwards. This is Charlie. Um, To go back to your comment just a couple minutes ago about Georgia, the state, the state of Georgia is federal. 
Yes. Georgia State. No, that wasn't Ron's question. Ron's question are, do people that work for the state considered federal employees? Now, I they, would consider them federal. No, I wouldn't. I'd consider them state. The state okay. pays them, not the okay. feds. Roger? Okay. Yes. Second. Hold the on. Second. Let Charlie get her second. second one in. Come on. Okay. The second point, it really goes back to the heart of what you were saying about the um, the Indians and treaties being higher than the Constitution. You are correct. Okay. And this is very recent in the Supreme Court, and it was the Washington State Department of Licensing versus Cougar Den, and this is from 2019, so it's fairly recent. And basically what um, this case basically had said is that Washington's fuel tax burdened the treaty right of the Yakima Nation to travel upon public highways in common with citizens of the United States, small c, okay? Um, The Washington tax, as applied to its activities, is preempted by an 1855 treaty between the United States and the Yakima Nation. So basically what this court case was about was not only the right to travel, um, it was about the tax. Right. So if anybody's, so for Teresa, um, again, it's, it's getting into a, a viper's nest, in my opinion. If you start picking up citizens of the United States, to me, that's the federal citizen. I could be wrong, but to me, that's the way I'm interpreting it. I yield. Now, well, go over that last part you said, citizens of the United States, and what? Um, the citizens it's, uh, the citizens of the United States, and um, it says the right in common with citizens of the United States to travel upon all public highways. But in reference to that particular paragraph, it was basically saying that that 80, 1855 Yakima Treaty was applicable right. to okay. the citizens well, of the citizen, United Citizens of the United States don't travel. They drive. They've got to have a driver's license. Correct. I agree with you. Okay. That's where it's muddied okay. up. Okay. Go back, and we're going to go back in the Wayback Machine to the 1870s. You knew people. You probably haven't heard this. We hadn't mentioned it in a while. There's a Supreme Court case called Elk v. Wilkins. Are you familiar with that case, Charlie? No, I missed that one. Elk v. Wilkins. Okay. Now, what happened was after the 14th Amendment, it was up in Iowa or Nebraska or somewhere up in there, and there was an Indian reservation there, and the Indian in this case is elk, obviously. Wilkins was the federal employee who was the registrar and supervisor of elections. Elk came off the reservation because he wanted to vote in a presidential election. Wilkins was the registrar. He wouldn't register him. He said, no, you're an Indian. So Elk went back to the reservation. Election day came, and he went to the polls. Elk was sitting on the polls. He tried again to vote, and he said, no, you can't vote. You're not a citizen of the United States. And so they took the suit to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that Elk was a sovereign. They didn't come out and say that, 
but that's what they were ruling. No, you can't vote. This is for blacks. You're an Indian under all these Indian treaties. You can't be a citizen of the United States. So in other words, the Indians, if you take that case and, and, and look at it between the lines, the Indians are sovereigns. That's Indians not taxed. Now, I don't know. They may have done some treaties with them since the 1870s and muddied that up, but that was the, one of the real important rulings on the 14th Amendment shortly after the amendment was passed. Go look at it, Charlie. Elk v. Wilkins, okay? Roger. Yes, sir. Um, this has to do with maybe the federal government paying the uh, state employees' taxes. I heard a long time ago that the states collect federal taxes through your employer, and then they send all those taxes to the federal government. And then the federal government sends the money back to the states based on population. Some states are donor states. Some states are recipient states. Could that be construed as the federal government paying state employee salaries? Well, I don't know, but I think if you get back down, yes, in the big picture to answer your question somewhat, but the state probably generates its own income besides what the federal government steals 90% of them, gives it back to them. Okay. And I, I would think that the state employees are employed by the state. That's who they get their paycheck from. Doesn't matter where the state gets the money from, but I don't know for sure. Okay. But or you understand the question? I I think you know yeah they let's take let's take gas taxes okay you pay a federal tax on gas it goes back to the feds they steal if they do like social security they steal 90% of it and then they give you some back now there's your jurisdictional political subdivision they're receiving the benefits because they're getting the money directly from the federal government that they indirectly took out of the state and gave to the federal government on federal excise taxes right but i was i was speaking specifically of uh federal income taxes through well, federal income tax whether well, that doesn't do, that not one penny your income tax does the day-to-day running of the government it all goes to pay the bondholders well, right. But well, anyway, what I, what I was saying was the states send that money to the federal government, then it comes back to them based on population. Not, not, in, not, in, not income tax. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, I'll tell you where you can verify that. Go back and under Reagan, they he, Reagan appointed a commission to try and de- figure out how to downsize the federal government, and it was called the Grace Commission. The guy that ran it was called Peter Grace. You can go look it up on the Internet. Okay, and he came back, and in the Grace Commission report, his statement that not one nickel of your income tax goes to the day-to-day running of the federal government. All of your income tax goes th- one third of everything the IRS collects is uncollectible. One third goes to pay overhead, the buildings they rent, and the employees they have. The other third that's left goes to pay the bondholders or coupon payments. That's where your income tax goes. The bondholders, when they issue bond releases, that's the money that, on top of impost and excise taxes, run the day-to-day federal government. Then they got to go back and pay the bondholders. That's the function the IRS has. See, the IRS is the linchpin to all this thing. That's why they, they defend it so, so virulently. If, without the IRS, the whole system couldn't work. 
because they couldn't pay the bondholders who fronted them the money on bonds. Don't forget, bond is the root word of bondage. Does that help? Hey, Roger. Whoever I was just talking to, does that help? Well, now they don't want to come back and answer me. Yeah, Gary. I think that was Ron in Georgia, wasn't it? Well, I don't know who it was. That's why I asked. No, that wasn't me. That was me, Roger. Sorry, my phone freezes sometimes, okay. and I can't get to the damn computer. Okay, did that help, that explanation? Yeah, uh, well, sort of. It, it, it was something I heard from a candidate in Georgia that was running for governor, and uh, he said that, and uh, that's the way I understood it, the way he, was, he explained well, they do, it. Well, okay. they do extract taxes like gas taxes, okay? That that do you understand about the difference between it, uh, 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 direct tax and indirect tax? Yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, direct tax is income tax. Okay, indirect taxes are always have to be. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They got to be the same. They got to be uniform. In other words, the percentage of gas tax that you pay in Georgia is the same percentage that Gary pays out in Montana. They've got to be uniform. Okay, and they take that tax and they come back and give the state, I have no idea how much. I'm assuming they steal most of it. Okay, and that they give them that for internal state highway stuff. It has to be an option, like a gas tax. You can choose not to drive. That's right. That's right. Okay. Capitation taxes, direct taxes have to be apportioned, and indirect taxes have to be uniform. And you and they're they're often called sin taxes, just like Mike was saying there. That you know, taxes on alcohol, tobacco. If you don't want to per- pay the tax, don't drink and smoke. Hey, Roger. Yes. This is Liz from New Hampshire. Hello, Liz. We don't have a state tax. Well, Florida doesn't either. Yeah, but what we do, they extort it for anybody who comes to visit. Yeah, and that's the same way with um, Florida. The reason they don't have any state income tax is because of all the tourism. The tourists pay the tax. Right. And and also a uh, food a prepared food tax. In other words, if you go to a restaurant and you order food, you're taxed on that a percentage on that order that you just placed. So they're getting it sideways because that's that's a vat that sounds like a vat tax to me yeah because the state uh the people in the state will i i it'll be it'll be a big thing for them if they tried to put an income tax on new hampshire i've heard it here and there but uh they won't get elected that's for sure okay well there's five states that don't have state income tax florida's one of them i didn't know new hampshire was one i don't remember the other ones but there's five states i think tennessee might be one that don't have yeah state income tax yeah tennessee the other thing i wanted to put in is if you look at any of the information about the schools 
and what they're trying to do with the schools now. They're trying to incorporate in the schools all this trade, get into a trade, you know, and, and these kind of things. So they're incorporating slavery. Hell, I think that's the right way to do, rather than send them to college to get full of Marxist mush in their brains. Get them out and learn. Teach them to be plumbers or whatever trade, mechanics, uh, whatever. When, a far better, that, far better course for younger people. But wouldn't that also um, put you in this bondage? In other words, the surf. No, 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 no. No. Well, it may be the mentality, but it it, it we should give them a lot of freeway because trade people can determine who they want to work, how much they want to work, who they want to work for, and make their own living rather than working for some damn employer that dictates all that to them. So I see a trade as a freedom thing. Okay. Yeah, but this they're trying to incorporate through the government. So anything that is being incorporated through the government seems to me to be nefarious. You know, usually it is. Usually it it is. It may be, you know, I think people, young people should go out and learn a trade. That's the reason they don't teach shop and all that stuff in high school anymore. They want them to all go to the university so they can brainwash them with Marxist pablum. Roger, you know, you got to get a license to be able to do those things. Well, that's true. But if they go through this, they don't have to get a license. Okay. Hey, Roger. Yeah. Yeah. Who is that? Who is that? Adam? Yes, sir. Hey, Adam. All right. I had a question about with with your kids, like uh, since they aren't. Consider like mine is twelve. So since she's not considered an adult, once my paperwork goes through, can I do I just claim her as my property and no, inform you write the school? A, you, you write an affidavit for her. Are, yes, sir. Okay. Are you and mom still together? Uh, no, sir. It. Yeah. She's actually my little brother passed away. It's his kid, but I. It. She's mine now. Do you have legal? Do you have legal guardianship over? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, then you can do this. Okay. Write her an affidavit as your her legal guardian and submit it for her. Okay. To the school or the same. No, do you want you want to do it to the Secretary of State first? Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Okay. Then you put all those people on notice. And you're now look. Take uh, you can write it on a rock and bury it. When any of you guys go in and start talking these things with these people, you're gonna have to educate them. They're not gonna know this. Your district attorney friend, have you heard back from him, Adam? No, sir, not yet. But I, as soon as that receipt from the secretary of state comes in, I'm just I've already sent the all the other my other affidavits out to the sheriff the chief of okay. police well, the it's DA, a, that's okay I'm it's, just gonna go it's considered received when you went and talked to those postal employees and put it in the mail okay all i'm right. just i'm gonna go talk to all him right. <clears throat> try and talk to him next tuesday that's usually his slow day okay well you tell him if he wants further explanation and he's interested i i will do a phone call with him individually okay yes sir yes i sir. don't like doing individual phone calls I have all you people, Roger, call me, call me, call me. 
Okay. Yeah, no, I'm probably not going to call you. Okay. I spend two hours a day on this program, six days a week for that sort of thing right there. I do it so that everybody is exposed to the answers and everybody learns and I don't have to do this stuff one on one on one. I don't have the time or the temperament for it anymore. Right. Hey, Roger. Yes. Uh, for Adam, we, we have a, a template. I believe it's on uh, Merca's Telegram. Yes. For yes. the parents. Yeah. For H- have you seen? It? Did you get that one? No, I have. Uh, okay, go. I'm okay, sorry. go on uh, Merca's Telegram, and I believe she she she'll make it available to you if you ask her, and and then go on there. She has one for the parents to do as a as a affidavit, and all you need to do is do the do the the father side. Yes, sir. Thank you. No sweat. Hello, okay. Roger. Yes, hello. This is hey, Mark. Oh, hold on. Yep. Our, our Puerto Rican buddy. Yep. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, this is Mark. Mark. Yes. Hey, Mark, Mark in Boston. Hey, Mark. Yes, I have. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, as a national. Could I still have a bank account? Yes. But I, I I cannot use the credit card. Why not? Is that it? No. Why not? I still can you. As far as no, I, I know, am, I've been I, you, I've I been you, like I've been using one for you know six seven years now. Raj. So as a national, what thing I cannot do that I used to do in the past as a citizen? Well, you don't have to file taxes anymore. Uh, what about the driver license? Well, and, you're, you're getting uh, that's the stickiest point of this whole thing. You can still have a driver's license. Mark, do you do do you drive in commerce or do you travel as a as a private as a private citizen? So I would be traveling. Okay. Well, if you're not in commerce, if you're not in commerce, you technically don't have to have a driver's license. Okay. But this is the stickiest wicket of all of this stuff is driving and traveling. And that's got to be your decision. That's not my decision. Okay. Whether you want to have one or not. Roger. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Okay, Mark. In answer to both of his questions, number one, uh, yes, you can still have a bank account, but you have to go to the bank and you have to show them your affidavit because they changed the coding on your account. Normally, when they have an account, they have to report to the IRS, you know, cash, cash deposits, cash withdrawals, interest earned, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, there's another account that's identified by another number where they, they're not obligated to report that to the IRS. All right. Well, I've never so. done that with Wells Fargo. I didn't give them an affidavit when I opened the account from Argentina because I needed the account for direct deposit, and I didn't want to screw anything up. But in, right. in what Paul's talking about is it doesn't matter if they report it to the IRS. If you put the IRS on notice, it's not going to register. you got no taxable obligations there anyway. So the bank account isn't the determining factor. It's the IRS. Right. Okay. 
but they code but they code a they different do. account. Well, yeah, you could go in you could go in the bank and open one, a non-interest bearing account and they code it different too. They don't report anything to the IRS cuz there's no interest bearing on it. Hey Roger. Yes, Gary. Yeah, use it when you go into the bank to get a non-interest bearing account, have your affidavit and utilize form W8 Bravo Echo November. We have done it with banks up here in Montana. It works. And that way you don't receive the benefit of an interest-bearing account where they pay you point zero 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 one percent Right. I mean, the interest Remember, is so negligible now. It's ridiculous anyway. You receive the benefit. You owe the duty. So you receive the benefit of that point zero 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 one interest every year. Oh, so you owe the duty. Well, if you put the IRS on notice, you won't owe it, even though you get some pittance, because it's not 871B and 877B taxes. I agree. Make sure nothing's ever even reported to the IRS. You do it that way. Do it however you... If it makes you sleep better at night, you do it that way. Gary, did you did you do that with uh, your Social Security number or with your passport number as a national? Just fill it out the WATEN, go in and ask for non-interference. Ron, Ron, it doesn't matter which one of those you use, you know, honestly. But I, I guess the bank would take a passport number. I don't know. Yes, they will. Okay. Well, then, then that ties you right back into your affidavit. Hey, Gary. Uh, the other thing is, is that if you go study the actions of the Federal Reserve prior to the so-called Great Depression, you'll find out that the Federal Reserve is doing the exact same thing they did then. Yeah. Well, yeah, roaring 20s. Yeah. Why do you think they were roaring? Because they had the money tap on. Well, you can also find a quote from Greenspan, not Greenspan, uh, Helicopter Ben Bernanke, where he admitted in an open forum that, yes, the Fed caused the Great Depression, and he won't do it again to what he said. Yeah, but right. I remember that. I remember that comment. Sure, they won't and do also it again. A snake won't bite yeah. you again either if you go by him. Yeah, and Liz... Being a trade person is way better than being a corporate employee. You have mobility. You can work for somebody else, but you also can open your own business. And in the state of Montana, it depends on what you label yourself, whether you have to have a license or not. I work as a handyman, and I do not have to be licensed in the state of Montana. Is that right? Okay. Well, that's interesting. Now, if I was to label myself as a contractor, if I label myself as a contractor, guess what? Right. Or, or an electrician or a plumber. So, therefore, you've got to look at your state regs and find out there's, there's ways and means if you look. Okay. You're real thin. You're real thin on your fidelity, Gary. You're up on the side of a mountain somewhere. Hey, Gary. He, he, uh, did, did we lose Gary? Well, we don't know. You never know with Gary from one minute to the next. 
Roger. Yes. Could you real quick go over the procedure for um, <clears throat> getting out of the uh, citizenship? This is the new guy, Phil, from Ohio. Yeah, Phil, you file an affidavit with the Secretary of State. He's the head guy. Once you've okay, done that. And, um, go ahead. Nice. Well, he, I think he what is was not that, muted. Um, what was that um, site that allows us to pick the, our status? I don't know of a site that do you mean what I mentioned to you earlier, the certificate of non citizen nationality? No, it was some I don't know, world or United Nations thing or something. No, no, no. You never heard that you no, you your... never heard that out of me. I've never said anything like that. Okay. He might be referring to the matrix docs. But are you familiar with our information website, Phil? TheMatrixDocs.com? Correct. Um, I just went there for the first time, Okay, now and I what, don't know how to use it. Well, I mean, the information's on there. You click on an interview or read a document, there ain't any instructions on using it. Okay. There, there's a number of interviews on there that you need to go listen to first and do your homework, and then we'll address your questions. I don't have time to go over the whole thing. We're almost at the end of the show. But all that is spelled out in the background and the reasons in those interviews. So go do a little bit. How'd you find out about us, Phil? Um, I happened to stumble onto RBN last Sunday or whenever, and you were there, and I got all the information then. Okay. Go back and do some homework. I don't charge anybody for this because I expect you to go learn the information. That's what you pay okay. me is you go learn the information and get command of it. So before we launch off on that, which I'm not opposed to doing, I want you to go contribute your part and go listen to some of those interviews and learn what we're dealing with first. More than likely, your answers will be answered in those interviews. Okay. All right. So let's start there. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Roger. Yes. Roger, on this letter, how do you respond to the guy – uh, about tax protester, how he's not seen one tax protester successfully. Well, we're not. We're not pro. We're not tax protesters. Okay, I guess he's looking at Teresa through that lens. Well, of course he is, because that's how the IRS always. But we're not anybody. slaves either. That's why the IRS always always labels people as tax protesters. TP. I forget the designation. TP is something in, on their internal files. And anytime pay you your fa anytime you pay question, your fair share, <laughs> anytime you question them and you don't have your your legal grounds correctly, that's what they're going to label you. That's all these attorneys know because a lot of people that they get as clients, my guess is, are probably tax protesters, and that's what they have to deal with. Same thing and, as a sovereign and what Teresa says, Correct. What Teresa says is, no, I'm, I want to pay all lawful taxes. If they're 871B and 877B and I owe them, I want to pay them. But I'm not a tax protester because those others don't apply to me. This is what this law firm doesn't understand. 
And I told Theresa when she was talking to them, they probably don't understand. We get that letter back from them that she says they don't respond. She gets this letter back, and what do they say in the letter? We don't understand what you're talking about. They didn't say that directly, but they said it by covering all this other ground. They don't look, folks. Virtually nobody understands this or knows about it. None of your local officials, none of your state officials, maybe the attorney general, okay? But most of the people you deal with, especially in government or otherwise, are not going to understand this. That's why you've got to learn the information because you've got to start educating them. You want us to all move forward collectively? That's what has to happen. Because I can't get on things like John B. Wells a second time. I can't get Mike Adams to listen and want to interview me. We can't get to those next biggest platforms. We've got to do it this way now. Roger. And, and yeah, Jeff, on, and Jeff Friends, you can't. You said you can't get back on Jeff Friends. Jeff Friends, back on. Hell, I've never been on in the first place. Who was the female right there? Hi, Roger. It's Victoria. Um, I uh, was wondering if the national status when they cha- when you go to the bank and they change the coding, if that would help against the bail-ins, if that would put you out of their ability to uh, steal your money. I doubt it. The, the The answer to the bail-ins is to not have any cash in the bank except what you need to operate. That's the right. answer. Okay. So don't worry about their codes or don't worry about anything else. Take the common sense approach and get anything but operating cash out of their damn hands. They're going to do the bail-ins like they've done in China, like they've done over there in Crete, and they're going to give you worthless shares. Now you're an equity stakeholder. Now you own worthless shares in a bankrupt bank. Whoopee! Does anyone have any thoughts on, because my understanding is that they're now really tightening up on the amount that you can take out. Oh, hell, they are. So, um, okay. So take out as much as you can get your money out of the bank. Yeah, I'm working on it. Thank okay. you. Okay, all right. Who else has got, we don't have much time. Who else has got something? I think what Victoria is referring to is Teresa said that she was taking money out of the bank and they would only allow her 25 grand a day. So she went well, back. She's doing real day. good. Okay. You go into some of these banks. And, only five grand a day. Yeah. And some of them you go in, they say, well, we can't get it for you. Come back on Thursday, three days away. They don't have cash. Um, for the record, they allowed me to take 25 out per day for a little while. Then they tried to stop me. Then um, I said, okay, well, I'll just close the account. I want it all in cash. And they said, well, wait a minute. And then the vice president of the bank contacted me and said, well, we'll give you 80000 And I'm like, okay, well, that's a start, but I'm going to come back every day for 80000 then. And he goes, well, we can't do that. And I said then, um, and I said, well, what do you, and then he, and then he actually made a threat to me and said, um, what if I don't give you any of it? I said, well, I'm one of 10 children. I have 58 nieces and nephews. I've got at least every single one of them that have an interest in my estate when I'm dead. And uh, I, you have 19 banks. I have 58 nieces and nephews. I have three people that I can hold you up every day and we won't take a dime more. 
and and I'll have your banks robbed all on the same day at the exact same time, and you will pay me my money. Now, how do you want to handle this? Well, it's not your and so money. At that point, he goes, well, then not. It's not your money. It, it was my money. And the, no, it's not. I get when it. you put it in I the bank, it. guess what? I bet Teresa. Well, you want to you want to shut up for a second? When you put it in the bank, it's their money. Mm-hmm. It's not yours anymore. I get it. I get it. But the problem with I was moving it from one place to another, and they had possession of it. And at that point, I had to tell them straight up: You do not want to play this game with me. If you do, you're gonna ha- you're gonna be burglarized. You're gonna be robbed. It's gonna be just like Lebanon. Hey, Roger. Yes, Gary. Yeah, I'm reading the Senate report from April of 1933, and in that Senate report, they even referred to it back then that it was a loan to the bank. Yep. And just like any loan to the bank, if the bank goes bankrupt, guess what? You don't get your stinking money. And then in 2010, with the Frank Dodd Act, they made it to where if you put money in the bank, it is no longer yours. It is the bank's property. Yep. So this has been going on for almost 100 years. Yep. Okay, we're about finished for the day. The background noise is on. There's one, one show I'm glad to have finished today, quite frankly. And... Uh, I'll uh, see y'all tomorrow on Friday, I guess. Tomorrow Thank you, Roger. Brent. You're very welcome, Marco. Thank you, Roger. Thank you so much, Roger. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Roger. All right. We'll see how the rest of the day goes. We love, love you, Roger. Nice. Okay. Thank you very much. I love you guys, too. Every one of you are very special to me, and you know the reason why. We got the baton to carry forward. That's why. Okay. And the only way I can protect my liberty is to teach you to protect yours, and now that burden's on your shoulders. you got to go find other people to help protect theirs, okay? We accept the burden, Rob. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, the, okay, let me get this thing shut off. Yeah, I want to stop recording.